This episode was recommended by a listener at Lindsay Fitchett. Thank you for the suggestion and thank you for listening. We are so lucky to have people like you supporting us. Four young men in Bucks County, Pennsylvania go missing over the span of a week around the 4th of July in 2017, leaving their loved ones and community totally frenzied and panicked with no answers. Are they connected or is this just a freak situation? We are your hosts, Helen Allen and Sherry Ferreira. This is The Chalk Line. Good evening, everyone, and the highlights of the news this Thursday. Hey, I'm so excited. A listener recommendation. I know. I finally just decided we're going to go with it. And that's not to say that if you have uh, put in a request that we're not doing yours, we will get to them. Um, but the timing for this one felt right. Honestly, like I had heard of this case before, but I never really had the push to look into it. Okay. And here it was. Um, I just want to preface it with, like, this is going to be one of those hard ones that are, like, it's going to be kind of tough to find the laughs. We're going to do our best. Um, But it's a devastating situation, just like all of these are. But, you know, this one's a little bit... There's a lot less laughs. I, I, I'm going to be honest about it. <laughs> yes, but we'll Except for right now. Just, just yeah, so. yeah, this no. was the exception. <laughs> yeah. um, it's going to be a little hard throughout, but I'm so excited to hear about what happened to these four boys. I know. Okay, so I'm just going to first start off with, like, telling you about the four boys. Okay. So first we have Dean Finicario. And if I say their names wrong, I'm so sorry. I just, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. I'm the worst. Um, Dean was 19 years old. People said that he was high energy, extreme, a daredevil, and fearless. He went from wheelie sneakers to a scooter to a skateboard to ice hockey (gasps) and to snowboarding. Um, So he was the full package. (laughs) I feel so seen. I used to have Heelys. I love it so much. They got banned from my school. (laughs) (gasps) Because people used them, like, really recklessly. And like now, like in the in the as an adult who was a teacher before, I'm like I kind of get that. But oh, you! I was pissed. I was pissed <laughs> as a kid. I was like, "Fuck this! No wheelies! What are we living for?" Or heelys. I used to love he- so, heelys. Yeah. I used heelys. to have like yeah, a blue yeah. pair because I wanted to be different. But I love that. Okay. Oh, Dangerous mine were pink and white because I oh. was not different. <laughs> Just your classic girl. <laughs> so anyway his friend said some of us cruise gently through life but that was not dean he also loved fishing i think that's what he did when he was resting up from extreme sports so in a nutshell dean sounds real fun his father anthony finicario said during a court hearing that his son born the week before christmas loved to live life to the fullest now he also said and this made me laugh Quote, he told us everything, even things we didn't want to know. We miss his laugh. We miss his smile and especially his hugs. His hugs were so heartfelt. I would give anything to have one again. And like we always say, I love the not glamorizing of this moment. He's like, yeah, he told us everything. Even things we, Dean, stop telling us these things. We don't need to know that, Dean. Dean, enough. Like, you (laughs) know, for a fact. It's like sweet because it's honest. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I just no, love 100%. that. So next we have Thomas Mayo, who uh, it's spelled M-E-O. I'm going to go with Mayo, but it could be Miho. I'm not really sure. He was 21 years old. He graduated from Ben Salem High School in 2014. He did varsity. Var- Sorry. <laughs> Worst at speaking today. <laughs> I, it's okay. been a long day, so just bear with me. He did varsity wrestling and track. He was also a longtime friend of Matt Sturgis, who we will get into. He's another one of our victims here. And he worked in construction with him. He was also friends with Dean. Okay, awfully. His girlfriend said that he was, quote, thoughtful, patient, and understanding. He wanted nothing more than for those he loved to be happy. One thing that I thought was nice, too, was that his loved ones, like, collectedly said you could always go by his word. That's not really a statement you hear a lot about, like, a young guy 
And so I just thought, like... Not these days. No. And I just thought that was a really special way to describe him. That, like, he was honorable and he was trustworthy and loyal. At Tom's funeral, a young man approached his dad and told him that, quote, Tom helped him with his drug problem and he wouldn't be here if it was not for Tom. Stop. Okay, savior. Like... Put us to shame. I know. I'm just, he, all of the men that we will be talking about today were just really special people. Love it. On the day of Tom's death, his girlfriend had actually stopped by the gas station where he worked. Now, this was a little confusing to me because I thought that he worked in construction, but it says also gas station. I don't know. Maybe he's a man of two jobs. Um, And they had a conversation with his coworkers about, like, what made them happy. And Tom said, Money doesn't make me happy. Family and friends do. To which I say, Tom, you are much better than me. <laughs> Tell you what. Let me t- his morals? In line. In line. Yeah. Mine, in line. Tom, good guy. Mine are so out yeah. of whack. Yeah, me too. Nice. Could learn a thing or two from him. So our next victim is Jimmy Tarot Patrick. Um, he was 19 years old. He was a student at Loyola, Maryland. He had just completed his freshman year as a business major on a full scholarship. He also graduated from Holy Ghost Prep in 2016 with distinguished honors and had been a participant in numerous community service activities. Um, Because he wasn't doing enough, he was also on the school's (laughs) baseball team. Like, Jimmy, could you say something? Give it a rest! (laughs) Give it a rest! You're doing the most... I know, he's just, what the heck, you guys? I'm like, reading about this, I'm like, well, damn, I just don't do enough. Um, He lived with his grandparents, Sharon and Rich Patrick, and he worked at a restaurant before his death. A teacher at his high school actually described him as unique, a mystery, compassionate, loyal, and steadfast. He said that Jimmy loved a good party and was known for throwing a mean curveball, to which I say, I hope he's up there in heaven being like, now that's how I wanted to go. Right. You know, he's, he's known for having a good party and for throwing a mean curveball. If that doesn't tell you that he was great, I don't know I what does. I love that, though. I could, like, never, I would always be so baffled by those people that could, like, love a good party, like, go out for Saturday, Sunday night, and then Monday wake up for the exam and get all A's. Like, I feel like that's who he was. Well, and not to mention that this is a high school teacher describing him. So, (laughs) I just was never my full self around my high school teachers. So, like, the fact that Jimmy was able to show that side of himself and still be this guy who had a full scholarship in his business major, graduated with distinguished honors, and his high school teacher was still like, yeah, he was a partier. I'm like, hell yeah, like, that Jimmy. That tells you Get everything it. you need to know about his personality. Like, it just, He's like, just the, yeah, he's there. well-rounded. And now our final victim is Mark Sturgis. He was 22 years old. At his funeral, people wore black t-shirts with the words, death leaves a heartache that no one can heal, but love leaves a memory that no one can steal. And the shirt also had his nickname Alpaca on it, which I would love the story behind that. <laughs> right. Like, can someone um, please? Yeah. And then he played guitar and he was an athlete. And one of his parents said that he was, like, the best guitar player and they would do anything to hear him play Stairway to Heaven again. Now, let's get into this story. Jimmy, like I had said, lived with his grandparents because actually his mother suffered from mental illness. Okay. Um, so Wednesday, July 5th, 2017, Jimmy told his grandmother that he was going to meet some friends at Chick-fil-A. Hours passed and he did not return. It was normal for him to actually like go into his grandparents' room and wake them up when he got home and like just let them know like he got home safe. And that night he did not do so. So they didn't hear from him at all. The next morning, July 6th, around 8 a.m., his grandmother Sharon still had no text from him. She said he would normally answer between 10 and 15 minutes of a text. So because of this, she decides to text some of his friends to see what was going on. I love her being like, I love her being like, it's been 10 minutes. This isn't like him. Can you, can you get these other fans on the phone? She, uh, Sharon, a woman like, after my own heart. I love her. Literally. The urgency. I love it. <laughs> like, even her knowing, like, 10 and 15, it's not, it's a 16 minutes, She's like, like a if it's after. 16 minutes, I'm calling the police. <laughs> and good on her. 
So she actually decided to text some of his friends to see what was going on. And this is when they find out that Jimmy didn't actually go to Chick-fil-A. Okay. His grandparents called the police around noon, but they were told to wait until 4 p.m. to call again because it hadn't been 24 hours. The police then also told them that he was, quote, probably in the car with his girlfriend. What? Excuse me? Do you know that? Can you confirm where is... Yeah, like, I mean, did they start the conversation with, does he have a girlfriend? Because, like, yeah. A, maybe they don't even know that. And B, I'm just, like... Ha- I mean, I get he's a teenager. I get that they do that. But, like, these are so two grandparents that are raising a teenager and they're a little bit stressed because he hasn't come home. Can we not just, like, throw that in their face? That, oh, maybe he's just in the car with his girlfriend. Do you ever think of that? It's like, yeah, we thought of that, okay? And we texted all his friends and he's missing. The police sent over a patrol man because the grandparents were like, um, no, bitch. The car is still in the driveway. He's not in a goddamn car with his girlfriend. Get to it! Yes! (laughs) And so they sent over a patrolman who just did some logging on the situation and then said that, um, Jimmy would just probably just show up. So the grandparents gave a description of him with a photo and his cell phone number. Now, the police department traced his cell phone and found that his last ping was at a location 50 miles from them in Springfield, which is Delaware County. Um, And his grandfather actually went to the location and put up missing posters with his picture and phone number on them. Stop. Gramps, pop-pops. This is is the stuff that really gets me. By July 8th, they are wasting no time, Jimmy's grandparents hired a PI because they were frustrated with the police's progress. Now, he interviewed Jimmy's friends and made contact with the county detectives. He also got notification that the Middleton Middleton PD actually had another 19-year-old boy missing. It was Dean. Okay. Around 8 p.m. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I just hate how, like... Like, I can't imagine how dismissed they felt, you know, like from the being like, Absolutely. oh, he's probably here. And then having the PI find out, oh, another boy around the same age is missing, too. Like, I don't yeah. know. I don't know if this would make me a really good cop or a really shitty one. But I feel <laughs> like anytime anybody was like somebody's missing, I would not I would turn over every stone for every false alarm because it's like not worth it being that you were wrong. Like, that cop who said, oh, he's probably in the car with a girlfriend. Like, I hope that person feels like absolute trash because, like... Right, you can't just make that assumption for every single case. Like, no matter the workload, no matter if, like, you're understaffed, like, you're an officer, that is your job. Like, if someone's seriously coming up to you, like, that should be taken into consideration. And so it just feels like they were being very dismissive. But I do want to hear more. The other missing boy was Dean. Around 8 p.m., Officer Megan Freer of the Middletown Township Police Department. So these are all, like, townships, which we don't really have over here. Uh So it's a little confusing, but it's just, like, very small (laughs) rural kind of area. Got it. But the Middletown Township Police Department, she gets a call to file a missing persons report on Dean. When she shows up to his house, his parents and several of his friends are there. She noted that that was weird, and I'm like, why is that weird? Yeah. Like, I just, is that weird? Especially in the days of hearing, wait, 24 hours, is that weird? Or is it a bunch of people who care about someone getting together to find them? Like, I don't think right. that's weird. If you went missing, I would call every person I know <laughs> to go to your house and be like, what do you know? You don't know her? I don't care. What did you hear? I don't, what? you know Listen, what I mean? It's, if it's <laughs> one thing I know for a fact is that if I go missing, Helen will be the one at the police chief's door. I will lead the charge. I will bring my license plate list to police. And I'll be like, listen, I don't know if she saw these guys, but I did. And so, and so while I'm here, can you just take a look? Like, just do so a quick scan. <laughs> no, but I... I love that energy. Like, it's just so caring. It's, like, quick. And so, like, I love seeing that in Dean's friends and family. So, Officer Megan actually had had run-ins with Dean before. I guess he liked joyriding his bike. So. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I don't know. Cool. So, his parents were, like, honestly worried that she wasn't going to take the case seriously enough because of Mm. this history that they had. Dean wasn't perfect. We love this. 
His family was so honest about that. They're like, listen, we know he was a lot to handle, but <laughs> find him. He's ours, and we love him still. Yeah, like. right? He was getting his stuff together. According to his family, he got a job, and he was turning a new leaf. So I don't want to hear it about Dean, okay? I like him. <laughs> Officer Fur thought that because it was a holiday weekend, he was probably just off having fun with friends. But Dean's mom was on high alert because his cell phone was turned off. Ooh. She went to the shore with her friends that weekend, I guess. And Anthony, Dean's dad, had gotten off of work and he and Dean went to get sushi for dinner. When they got home, Dean went out again. He told his dad that he was going to be back in 15 minutes as he was, quote, going out with a neighbor. Dean, that's sketchy behavior, going out for 15 minutes with a neighbor. That's sketchy behavior, Dean. I'm not saying that you don't deserve to be found, but Dean, what are you doing for 15 minutes? This is what his parents were talking about. He would tell them they don't want to know. (laughs) But his parents are like, the neighbor again. Here we go. All right. I know, that neighbor. Hmm. What's her name? Mary Jane? (laughs) Dean's father called his mother and said, Dean didn't come home. His cell phone is off. He didn't come home the next day. So this is when Anthony, Dean's dad, started calling hospitals. He was really nervous at this point because he was like, even though he was a daredevil, he was the type to keep his parents in the loop. So he was thinking like, how, like, did he get himself hurt or something, you know? So they started getting contact with Dean's friends, and basically they ruled out everyone that he could have been with through his Facebook, except for one person, Cosmo DiNardo. Friends say that Dean and Cosmo knew each other um, from riding ATVs. Now, Cosmo DiNardo lives in Ben Salem Township. Around 11.45 p.m., Officer Freer called Ben Salem Police Department to get info on Cosmo DiNardo. They gave his register number for his pickup truck, registration number for his pickup truck his name his date of birth his address and like basic info like that cosmo is from a prominent bucks county family that owns two businesses and the donardos as a whole own three properties they have their primary residence and then two others officer freer contacted dean's phone carrier and asked if they could give her a location of where the phone was last used it was last used in the area of solberry township So she meets up with the Solberry Police Department, Officer Gary Forrester, and he is the hero of the episode. We have to give it to him. And they head to the DiNardo's land. Okay, so they're thinking that Dean, right, was last seen with this cause. Yeah, because the parents, the internet sleuths that they are, went on his Facebook and ruled out every (laughs) Facebook friend except for Cosmo. I just need to know... I wish I could have been a fly on the wall. I'm sorry, was I... To watch the urgency. I don't know if I was... Yeah, they went on its... No, you were snoozing, Sherry, because I thought you were going to say something and you didn't. And I was like, I guess it's not as crazy as I thought. (laughs) No, they literally... No, that's wild. There is no urgency like a parent looking for their kid. You know what I mean? These boomers, I bet they didn't even know how to use Facebook until this day. And they were like, we're going to (laughs) figure it out. (laughs) You know what I mean? Right. In like two I seconds for their son. Like they are yeah. It's the best. Okay. So anyway. One of the properties is in Solberry Township. So they ended up meeting with Gary Forrester, who is an officer at the Solberry Police Department, and they together go to this Donardo property. Now they arrive at the Donardo property around two AM. They find a house on the property that's pretty run down. <gasps> And at this point, they don't really think of anything as being sinister here. They were driving around and looking, and they were there for about 45 minutes, but ultimately they didn't find anything. That's interesting. Sorry to cut you off, but, like, 2 a.m.? Well, because if you think about it, like, this report was not, like, they're just going and going and going. They're not really stopping to, like, go to sleep and then start again in the morning. They're like, all right, we got the report, we got... The info, the cell phone pinged there. Let's go. Let's get it. Okay. I like that urgency. I know. Nice. Yeah. So, so off, they didn't find really anything there. So Officer Freer heads back to her township, but Officer Forrester actually had this like gut feeling that something was off. He didn't know what, but he just had something in his gut telling him like, no, that place is not right. Listen to your gut, people. Yeah, seriously. 
So at 3 a.m., he noticed, notified Officer Freer that he was heading back to the property. He's like, I don't know about you, but that place didn't feel right to me. I know it's late, girl, but I'm just letting you know I'm going right back. <laughs> so nice. he opened up the shed on the property, and he noticed a vehicle inside. And this didn't seem right to him because the house hadn't been lived in for what seemed like several years. But the car looked as if it was just placed there. Okay, wait. So this is like an old... You said they had three properties, correct? Yeah. And this is a property that like has a bunch of unit like and sheds on it. It's a big property. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll get into the property a little bit later. But so this is like... There are several little buildings on it. It's all pretty like run down. Right. But like this area in particular looks abandoned. So when he sees this new this new car, he's like, one plus one doesn't equal two. Right. He's like, th- so there were no leaves on the roof, no spider webs or bugs. It was really just like it looked like it was being hidden. Also, there were tire tracks going into the shed that looked fresh, but he was like, but there's literally nobody living in that house. What would somebody be driving into this shed for? He asked dispatch to run the vehicle's registration, and I'm like, can I get dispatch's number? But <laughs> I'm going to blow up my mic one of these days. <laughs> um, I'm like, I have a list of license plates. Can you just run them? And they're like, are you on the force? And I'm like, no, I just, I'm feeling endangered all the time. And... <laughs> And I found this number, so yeah, can like, you help? Can you please delete this number? He asked dispatch to run the vehicle's registration, and it came back as belonging to Thomas Mayo. As soon as they realized that the car belonged to Thomas, Officer Forrester is notified that Thomas's parents were reporting him missing in, this, in his township, Plumstead Township, earlier that day. Oh, my God. At this moment... It became much more than what they thought it was. Because now it is not just one missing person, it's three. Do you know if this is, like, all within, like, a certain span? Like, if this is all happening within, like, a week or something? Yes. So, we're going to get into, like, the timeline of it all later. But this is just within a couple days. All these townships are losing their shit. Like... The panic from that. But I'm I'm grateful that they have this, like, communication between each other, you know? Took the words right out of yeah, my mouth. thank you. That's my specialty. <laughs> um, <laughs> actually, it's really not ever. But <laughs> giving myself way too much credit. Officer Freer at this point is like, okay, this is no coincidence. If two people are connected to Cosmo DiNardo, then they need to haul ass to get this man. Freer went to DiNardo's home in Ben Salem, and Sandra DiNardo, his mother, I assume, answered the door. Officer Freer said that she needed to talk to DiNardo, Cosmo DiNardo, um, because there was a local man missing, and Cosmo may have seen him. So Sandra informs um, Officer Freer that Cosmo was not home, and she seemed really concerned. Because she is now under the impression, at this point, that her son may be missing also. Oh, okay. Officer Freer then reached out to the other departments to make sure that she had all the information that she might need. She learned that Thomas's friend, Mark Sturgis, is also missing. So at this point, in just the span of a few days, four men are missing. Bucks County quickly forms a task force to get all of the townships together and share information on the missing men. Detective Corporal Jonathan Koretsky thought that it was probable that the boys could have all been together that weekend. Tom and Mark were actually best friends, and they were last seen together on Friday, July 7th, the same night that Dean disappeared. The last time Mark's mother spoke with him was Friday, and he texted her, quote, I'm at work, love you. When he didn't reach out further, she didn't think too much of it because he was notorious for not charging his cell phone. He was a down-to-earth kid who was, like, not into social media or being on his phone. And for that, I say kudos to you, Mark. But can we not do that, you guys? Can we just charge our phones? (laughs) And it's not even, like, a social media thing for me. Like, I couldn't care less. I'm really not an Instagram person. That's surprising because I'm in charge of our social medias. But, like... I, I don't really post that much on Instagram on my personal account, but I don't... So that's fine with me, but the cell phone, you have that for a safety thing. Can you just keep it charged? 
Yeah, text message has nothing to do with your with social media. Yeah, just, just keep your phone, your phone charged. And have in case someone needs to reach you. At, at the very least, so I can see that my message has been delivered. By Saturday, it was still not unusual. Like, he was a grown-up that maybe chose to be out for the weekend. And it wasn't until the two didn't show up for their job later that Saturday that their parents became concerned. Because maybe he wasn't reliable with keeping his phone on or social media, but he was reliable about his job. He was never late, and he never missed days. So this is when the panic set in. Thomas, um, he's the one that the car was found he was a diabetic. Ooh, yeah. And he would have kept his insulin on him if he was planning to be gone for long periods of time. So just keep that in your back pocket and just remember that. So crime scene investigators returned to the shed to do some more searching on the car. And this, so first of all, they find Tom's diabetic kit inside the vehicle. And like I said, you know, he would have taken this with him if he wanted to be away from his car. If he had drove his car into that shed to leave it there, he would have taken his diabetic kit with him. Right. It wouldn't be there just like on the side. Right. Now, on top of that, this is a little side note thing, and I'm not sure how important it is, but it it kind of stood out to me and I was like, this is a little weird. Okay, tell me. Um, the car's title was outside of the vehicle, and it was, like, up against the wall in the shed. Now, as we know, this isn't Tom's property, so, like, mm-hmm. what would he be doing taking out his... St- like, was he... Did he get pulled over inside that shed? You know what I mean? Like, when would you need to take That's... the title out? Uh, so, that the whole thing was just like, huh? Like, yeah. why would he have taken that out? Now, this is officially a case of foul play. It's very clear that these boys did not disappear on their own accord. Amy, Mark's mother, began looking through social media, and she saw that Dean was also missing and contacted Dean's father. Basically, she asked him if he had any guess of what was going on, and when Dean's father told her about how Dean disappeared, she became even more worried. Because remember, Dean disappeared, he said he'd be back in 15 minutes, and he never came back. As Anthony, Dean's dad, gets off the phone with Mark's mom, he's contacted by the PI that is looking into the missing person case of Jimmy, our initial victim. Jimmy's grandparents don't really believe that he's tied to these boys because he doesn't know any of them. He does know one name that was brought up, though. Cosmo DiNardo. Hmm. Seems like a common link. They actually went to school together. Yeah. It was a very small school, and everyone kind of knew each other. That is just, like, they they were like, it's weird because we don't know why he would have been with those other three boys, but, you know, if they're looking into Cosmo as being part of all of this, like, yeah, he, he did know of Cosmo. Jeez. Officer Fear then goes to Dean's house to see if there were any security cameras in the area. There was... And a silver pickup truck that matches Cosmo DiNardo's was caught leaving the neighborhood at the same time that Dean disappeared. Now it's on. Around 2.30. I, thank I you. <laughs> I'm like, finally. <laughs> I'm like, can we? Got a we? fire under our ass. Around 2.30 that day, Cosmo and his family arrange a voluntary meeting with the police. Law enforcement attempted to establish Cosmo's timeline where he was and if he had any connection with the guys. He said he didn't know where that they were, and he did admit, though, that he was with Dean the night that he went missing. He said that they were headed to a house nearby. During the ride, the two got into an argument, and Cosmo said that he kicked Dean out of the car and left him on the side of the road. Now, to me, I'm like, that's just pretty convenient that he only admits to being with the one guy that they have evidence he was with. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, of course. So I'm like... Okay, yeah, I think, um, yeah, he's definitely knows more than he's saying at this point. On top of that, he had said that they were, like, on the way to, like, a house nearby. But then they were like, okay, well, what did you do after you kicked Dean out of your car? And he was like, well, I went fishing at a local park until 9 p.m. Night fishing is weird to me, but that's not what I'm mad at. If the story was that you were on the way to the house... (laughs) Why'd you end up at the park at 9 p.m. to go fishing? You don't just, like, on a whim say, like, actually, I'm just going to go fishing in this pond instead of go to the house that I was going to go to. What? No. Did he say what um, 
area or just like around the township? Um, like, was it out of the way? In the documentary that I watched, they didn't specify. Um, but it did say that, like, yeah. the house was nearby and that he fished in a local park. So I'm thinking it's all in, like, a general vicinity. Investigators are like, okay, but at the same time, there's, like, not really any solid e- evidence yet. And they want to keep DiNardo cooperating. So they kind of just say, like, all right, thank you for letting us know and da-da-da. But then they reach out to the public. Now, this is when we find out that police in Ben Salem had had more than two dozen contacts with Cosmo over the years. Nothing that was really documented. Because, like I said, he comes from a prominent family. Oh, my God. Little Richie Rich Boy. So fucking annoying. You're going to get even more mad at this situation. I can't. So. Great. Months before the men went missing, he was charged with possession of a firearm, which he actually wasn't even allowed to have because he suffered from mental health issues. This alone is why this case is such a fucking tragedy to me, because there are so many times where there were red flags and the privilege of it all just shoves it away. And it makes me so mad that and also... This is speculatory, so I don't even know. Take it with a grain of salt. But apparently he was diagnosed with schizophrenia, and he spent some time admitted to a hospital for it. So... I hadn't I I hadn't done extra digging I mean, on this because I there's like something about looking into other people's mental health situations that I just don't love myself. No, of course, but I mean at the end of the day it was said in in the doc that you watched that he had mental illness, right? Yes. So regardless of what exactly it was, he shouldn't have been able to own a gun. I mean, I really think we should be, like, at the drop of the hat not letting people own guns. Like, if you give me even the slightest (laughs) feeling that you're going to use that improperly, absolutely not. (laughs) You know what I mean? A number of Cosmo's close friends noted that he was strange growing up, which this is my biggest fucking pet peeve. Keep an eye on these types, people. Like, I I don't want to hear after the fact that he was weird. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care. And also, there are a lot of weird people in the world that don't end up killing anybody. So can we just, like, also think about that? Like, so don't just, like, after somebody (laughs) ends up, like, but, like, after somebody ends up killing people or being a suspect, then they're going to be like, oh, he was weird growing up. Like, I hate that. If you didn't do anything about the fact that he was weird growing up, I don't want to fucking hear it from you. You know what I mean? No, because it's truly after these, like, tragic incidents happen and not even incidents it could have been prevented that's what's also angering that all this shit comes out of like oh he was actually really weird oh i talked to him once it's like open your mouth when it's necessary right you know now it's not not helping the family of the like the grieving family members that you thought he was a little bit fucking weird in chemistry class i don't want to hear it he was apparently selling guns and i want to say that this was like very much an afterthought in my research so I wrote in my notes, look into this, and then I wrote in my notes after, I don't have the fucking time. <laughs> I'm like, I'm tired of this shit, and I'm not even done. <laughs> no, I mean, you can, oh my god, but like, just from, based on everything you've said, you know, you can kind of guess what his personality was like. So that is not surprising to me. The fact that he did sell guns is not surprising right. to me. This is another thing that is extremely weird and extremely either coincidental or sinister or malicious. I don't know what to call it. Okay. We'll decide. (laughs) After the fact, um, it was found that there was a Snapchat group named Tom W-Y-A. Like, Tom, where are you at? Cosmo DiNardo was in this group chat. And someone said, quote, aren't you worried about your buddy Dean? And Cosmo answered saying, quote, nah, he's got like priors or something. He's probably running off. Who's in this fucking Snapchat group? Who is in this Snapchat group directly calling Cosmo out? Who is in that group? Who Why made do you a know? group with this Why guy? Why are you so casual yeah, about I'm, it? This blows my mind. Do they eventually, do they get looked at? Like, do they, or is this no, just well, like. No, nah, listen, we've there. got bigger fish to fry. Investigators now are trying to get like a handle on Cosmo's whereabouts. So they scanned the L 
ALPR list, which is a license plate reader. If you're looking for a gift to get me this Christmas. <laughs> okay. Denardo. It's not even a part of the episode. You just included it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> As like a hint for me. It's like really not that big of a, like, that's it. That's all I had to say about it. But I just definitely wanted to drop the little, get me that for Christmas. Okay. Got um, it. I actually don't know Got if it. they're legal for just civilians to have, but figure that out. And then if it is, that's a good gift. <laughs> Okay, so Cosmo was actually in the same area as Tom and Mark, according to cell phone records. Or actually, according to the license plate reader. Ooh, okay. I guess they were able to, like, track where the license plate was based on, like, maybe... I don't know if it's maybe maybe based on, like, um, if there's, like, like easy pass or whatever. Or, I don't know. You know what I mean? It could be, like, tolls, maybe, that he passed through. They were able to see that he passed through those. I don't really know, but the technology of it all is very cool. Yeah, I was going to say, like, police, like, at least I know, like, license plate reader technology has gotten, like, a lot more Mm -hmm. advanced, so that doesn't, like, surprise me that they were able to, like, track it. They were able to see that they were actually all a quarter mile away from the DiNardo land. Now, investigators learned through tips that Cosmo was trying to sell Tom's car after it went missing. So, that explains why the title was out and up against the wall. Cosmo was arrested on a refiled weapons case that was originally dropped because of his rich-ass parents. And they were like, ha-ha, just kidding, you're going down for this bitch. (laughs) And he was held on a very high bail. Investigators then obtained an extensive search warrant of the properties, which is all three properties, which is 90-plus acres. Jesus I know. I know. What is this? Have it own zip code? What I know, literally. Hell? Is this a township in itself? So extra. Um, investigators were split up into groups to search the land and all of the things on it. One of the teams entered a barn on the property and found blood. During this search, Anthony, Dean's dad, got a text from their cell provider saying that during this search, like this exact time, Dean called 911. Stop. So Dean's dad reaches out to investigators to let them know this, and they actually respond saying it it was them that called 911 because they found his phone and they needed to know whose it was. This made my blood boil. Was there not a better way? Didn't he have a fucking background on his phone or something? Couldn't you figure it out that way? Or did no one else bring their phone to work today? Are we just all under the impression that... Only like, the 911 operator can stuff. tell you whose phone that is? Couldn't they even just hold on to it and call the cell phone company after? Like, I don't know why they needed to know right in that moment whose phone that was. To So much so that they would risk, like, putting that out to the parents. Because that, like, gave the parents hope that, oh my god, he's alive and somewhere calling for help and we can get to him. And you know it wasn't... They did it, like... They sat with that, with that hope, and then calling the police, and then, like, getting transferred to whoever knew. No, like this didn't take seconds. It, it, it was... Oh, my God. So, next, Jimmy's grandparents show up at the farm. Now, they still don't believe that he was involved with the other boys. Really? They thought that Delaware County was his last ping fi- 50 miles away. However... The detective on the case actually says, no, it bounced off the wrong tower. So the information that they were given initially, it being in Delaware County, was wrong. His last location was actually Solberry. Cosmo DiNardo gets released from Bucks County Jail after posting 10% of his $1 million bail. I have money. Because his rich-ass parents just right away assume that he is perfectly fine. I'm sorry, but if he has had more than dozens of run-ins with the police, and he has a mental illness, and there are four boys that are missing probably on this property, could you just let him sit there in a little bit? Like, let him soak that in? could you not be a part of the problem? Maybe if you paid off the cops before, and you didn't really know that anybody's life was at risk, like, maybe I can let that slide. Maybe. I still think it's absolute fucking horseshit, but maybe I could let it slide. But this, like, there are four missing men. Let him fucking sit in his cell for a little longer. The team zeroes in on a large pile of rocks and disturbed dirt. It looked like it was, like, recently dug up, so they go in on it. And once they are about six feet in, 
they smell a strong smell of gasoline. Now they re-arrest Cosmo DiNardo for stealing Tom's car. Because they do have it. Like, they have the title. They they know. Mm -hmm. So this way, they can keep searching and get him. Now the bail is set at $5 million. Yes! After hours of digging, they remove this oil tank, which in some articles they refer to it as a pig roaster. Oh? Yeah, it's rural, like <laughs> I said. <laughs> but, and, and this, like, partial blue tarp also sticking out of the dirt. When they're around 12 feet down, they discover human remains. They find three of the four boys, and Jimmy Patrick is still missing. Now, Cosmo DiNardo wants a deal. He's like, okay, I'll tell you where the body is if you promise that the death penalty is off the table. This is my favorite kind of deal. Oh, you want to plead This is my favorite kind of deal. Because it's like, I don't really believe in the death penalty anyway. So, so sure, go on. Let me know who it was. And you're going to rot in fucking prison. You know what I mean? I don't believe in the death penalty. I love this kind of shit. He thinks he's getting off easy. <laughs> Idiot. No, like, Idiot. Like, fucking loser. Then Cosmo goes off and tells everything that went down. And now, so everything that I'm going to say is... From Cosmo's mouth. You know what I mean? So, you know. Around 5 p.m., his killing spree began with Jimmy. Jimmy met Cosmo to buy marijuana. Cosmo says it was $8,000 worth of marijuana. I'm no buffoon, so I know that that's a lot of marijuana. Yeah. Apparently, Jimmy only had $800 on him. So, Cosmo said, well, I can sell you a gun... I'm like, what did... I'm wondering what the hell Jimmy wanted this marijuana for if he was going to settle for a gun instead. You know what I mean? I don't think... But then I'm also like, well, this is coming from Cosmo, the fucking murderer. So, so I don't know if we can anything. trust anything. Like, yeah, exactly. Okay, wait. Go ahead. I have a question. How old is Cosmo? He's around the same age as everybody, but let me just do a quick Google. 20. And ugly. So, just going to say that. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Good. Self-entitled little brat. So, um, after saying that he would sell Jimmy a gun, he gets out of the truck, and so does Jimmy, and DiNardo proceeds to shoot him. He says that he went to get the backhoe then, digs a hole, says a prayer, and puts Jimmy in the hole. Now, this is why people think Christians are trash. (laughs) Was he, I mean, he said a prayer. I don't give a fuck what he was. Wherever he is saying his oh, prayer, prayer. he's gotcha. not going to heaven. I mean, no, that's not going to. After willingly no. killing a man who was not no. threatening your life whatsoever, do you really think the prayer is going to do anything for your ass? No. Also, it gets me that he dug twelve feet. Mm-hmm. Like he set out to like get all of at least from what I'm understanding, and you know, you'll dispel it and tell me if I'm wrong. It felt like he already had this plan in mind. Because why would you dig 12 feet? You wouldn't, like, dig and then put someone in and then go back and dig. Well, and I'm going to, when I tell you the rest of it, you're going to feel this even harder. It's, he, it's crazy. Two days later, Cosmo Gennardo is with his cousin, Sean Kratz. And now, Sean has had run-ins with the police as well, but he has had nothing violent as of yet. But they come together with a plan to rob Dean. Cosmo said that Dean was going to purchase a quarter pound of weed. And Sean said that he was going to rob him in the woods and kill him. Sean shot Dean several times. And then Donardo took the gun and shot him. Like I said, this is all from Cosmo's mouth. I'm wondering... Mm-hmm. I mean... It doesn't really matter to me because once Sean is present for any of this and doesn't stop it, then he's just as much trash. But I'm wondering if... No, he's culpable. Absolutely. But, like, the fact that they both shot Dean, I'm like... I don't know. It's weird to me. I No, there's definitely some fudging mm-hmm. of the truth 
which is what yeah. I think is happening. He's, like, saying what happened and sprinkling in, like, oh, I'm this badass, like, whatever, whatever, self-entitled, virtue rich prick. But if you find my fingerprints on the gun, it's because I also touched it. You know what I mean? It's, like, that. It's, it's like reading that exactly. kind of energy to me. And I'm, like, okay, what really happened? You're full of shit. Yes. After Dean's murder... Cosmo left Sean at the farm and then went up to meet with Tom and Mark. Mark parks his car and then gets in with Tom and then they follow Cosmo back to the farm. Cosmo says he could sense something was not right and then that's when they turned their backs to him. Cosmo shot Tom in the back and then unloaded the gun on Mark. Tell me what was not right. You are the one who now has killed two innocent people. You want to tell me what was not right? It's you. You are the thing that is not right. I can imagine being, like, the officer in the room that day and, like, trying to keep my cool and being like, this sack of shit. I could not. I think I would kick him in the face. I'd be like, you know what? I don't... What do I have to... No. (laughs) This is why I'm not on the police force, everybody. I'm self-aware enough to know I don't belong there. (laughs) You would, like, walk by him and drop your clipboard on his head and be like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Fucking prick. (laughs) I'd be under my breath, you fucking loser. The whole time. He's like, I'm trying to tell my story. And I'm like, yeah, no, I'm listening. You're just a fucking bag of shit. Sorry. So he's telling all this to, like, police finally. Is there more to it? Oh, there's more. He said that he shot Tom in the back and then he unloaded the gun on Mark. He then proceeded to, while Tom is paralyzed in the driveway, alive and screaming... He goes and he gets the backhoe and he runs Tom over with it. When the detectives asked him why he did this, he simply said he was out of bullets. Cosmo and Sean then placed the bodies into the pig roaster slash oil tank thing. And once it was lit on fire, they left the farm to get a bite to eat. As part of the plea deal, Cosmo also tells them where to find Jimmy's remains And it was pretty close by to the other bodies. So the police then look for Sean. And once they get to speak with him, he says he was there, but he denies shooting Dean. I don't care. You were there and you just watched and let him do it. Like, I don't care. Oh, I, but I didn't but do you anything. Never, like, I don't, don't give a fuck. It'd truly. even be one thing if like, okay, that happened. And then he went home and called the police. Then I'd be like, oh, maybe he didn't want any of that to happen. But like days went by and now he's like no no no, i was there i just didn't do anything it's like okay well i'm sorry then your sorry ass can sit in prison anyway because you didn't do anything and that's just as bad like and you know for a damn fact he was probably in that snapchat group oh i'm i don't know honestly if they run in the same friend group but i wouldn't put it past him he then does tell them where the murder weapon is but investigators are not settling So they press Sean for nine months until he finally admits to shooting Dean. He does claim that Cosmo pressured him to do it and that he did it because he was afraid that Cosmo was going to hurt him. To which I say, I don't care. Because I learned, and I think I've actually said this on this podcast before. So you can claim that you killed someone under duress, but you cannot claim... Or you can claim that you um, committed a crime under duress, but you cannot claim that you killed someone under duress because your life is not more valuable than theirs. If somebody is holding a gun to your head and saying kill them, you don't get to say my life is more valuable. Okay, I'm going to kill them because I don't want to die. It's like if you chose to kill them, you go down for that because you could have had yourself die and that person live. No, either way, you're serving time for that because you you actively murdered somebody. Yeah, whether or not you your heart was in it, like I'm sorry, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> no, truly. Like, what the fuck? I'm sorry, but yeah. that is not an excuse. Not interested in that bullshit. No. Cosmo DiNardo pleads guilty to four counts of first-degree murder, robbery, abuse of a corpse, and four, earns four consecutive life sentences. Sean and his dumbass decide to go to trial, and then he is still found sorry and guilty in 2019 of first-degree murder of Dean and voluntary manslaughter for the deaths of Mark and Tom. He is also sentenced to life without parole. So that is the story of the Lost Boys of Bucks County. Now, I want to say um, the documentary is called The Lost Boys of Bucks County, and it is phenomenal. I do recommend people watch it because 
I think it was the best way to get information on this case. There's not a lot of information on this case, sadly. So the documentary and a YouTube video, which I will credit, was where I got the bulk of my information. But I got uh, my information on who the boys were from an article that was really nice about honoring the boys. And it was nothing about the crimes and just about their personalities. And so I thought that that was really great. No, you did so well. Like, all the information. I just wanted to honor my girl, our listener, who we are so grateful for. (laughs) Our one single listener. No, I'm making it sound like we have one. I'm like, finally, somebody Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening. I love you. (laughs) No, truly. And bringing this to our attention, because I've never heard of it. Oh, my God. At first, I, I heard it, and I was like, Oh, like, it's a a case of, like, boys going to buy drugs and getting killed. Like, what makes this special? But what makes this special is that, I don't know, I guess that's a fucked up thing to say at all. But, like, I just was kind of like, I wonder why this is a case that was recommended for us to cover. Because, like, there are so many tragedies where, like, people go to buy drugs and it's a drug deal gone wrong and they get killed. But, like, so I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, I was, like, what makes this case stand out? And then when I'm watching the documentary, I'm, like, oh, damn. Oh, damn. I didn't see that coming. Oh, damn. Like, everything was fucked from the start. And as much as, like, we said, these boys were not perfect victims, but but they were good people who deserved life. And they had a life ahead of them. And they had loved ones. And... All I can say is that I'm really grateful that that bitch Cosmo and that bitch Sean are going to rot in prison for the rest of their lives. Thanks for listening. You can catch us on Instagram at the Chalkline Pod, Twitter at the Chalkline Pod, and follow along with our YouTube channel. The link is in our Instagram bio. Tune in next Thursday for another story.